Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Republic of Play podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Darren, and I'm joined by my good friend, Toby. Hello. Now, this podcast was scheduled to be every two weeks, and uh, we are slightly late to that at about six weeks over. <laughs> I'm counting on it, yeah. Uh, and that's because at the end of the last episode, uh, I think I told you when I arrived here, I was like kind of feeling sick when I first arrived. Do you remember? I remember. I said I had I like an itchy, scratchy throat. It was kind of coming on, but did the podcast, got the job done. Made it home just about, even though I almost went halfway down the country okay. the wrong direction. Yep. Because trains are easy for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because of that, I actually felt deathly ill for like two weeks. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember? Oh, I yeah, remember. So yeah, you told me about like it. I was like completely, really. completely out of action. Uh, and then we couldn't do the next episode because I was just not feeling well enough to even, even two weeks later to go back and do it. Then the following week, a storm hits or whatever. And then yeah. this week, a storm has hit as well. So, storm Kira last week, Storm Dennis this week. Yeah, so it's just been really unfortunate timing basically but anyway we're back now and hopefully if we can just try our best to do it every two weeks that's you know that'll be the best i'm actually trying to get a driver's license now um just because i don't want to be relying on public transport so yeah so i downloaded um on steam because i'm a gamer uh, a driving theory test thing what yeah i've never heard of it. it's that. like eight quid on steam or something and uh i've been doing a few tests i've failed four times I in need, a row i need one of those too because <laughs> although i'm 28 years old i cannot drive a car yeah same well i know it's how to actually drive a car but i don't know roads uh, like um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that means i don't know road signs is what i meant gotcha. the rules of the road yeah because you know i i, I live grew up and lived in ireland and I, the road signs are actually different over here and i think i've been in a car over here like five times yeah. ever so when I went onto this mock UK driving test and I was like looking at things, I've never heard of half of this, or I've seen half of these signs. And I was walking down the street with Rosie. I was just like, oh, what, what is, like, we were playing a game. Like, what are these signs? We just didn't know. Didn't know. Never looked at them before. Because <laughs> like, never oh, had to. Well, I guess you're lucky there because that's, that's the easier bit, the, the bit to learn is that, you know, the, that, that's what that they part say. of the test. You know <laughs> yeah. how to drive a car, which you do, then that's, that's the hard bit. Yeah. Well, I haven't done it in a while, so I'm sure I'll have to figure things out i think perspective is probably going to be the most difficult thing like knowing your surroundings and reversing yeah. and parking so anyway hopefully if we do get there <laughs> that yeah. means i could just drive to you and yeah, we can make this a, bit easier. a lot easier um so anyway we're back anyway for every two weeks and uh we're just gonna get straight into it so we have our new segment we've wrapped up some new stories just from the last couple of weeks uh we didn't want to go too far back although we will mention a couple of big things that happened uh, a little bit later on in the show but the first thing that we want to just get straight on into is warcraft 3 being refunded yep been a, a bit of a car crash for, for blizzard here to be honest of something they've been pushing for the last i think i think that i think re, re, someone will correct me but reforge was announced i think two years ago maybe it was announced mm -hmm. and at that point they were already showing the artwork off you know it looked like it was almost you know about to be done it'd been delayed repeatedly and repeatedly um at that point so explain to me just from the top because i actually yeah. know very little about warcraft 3 and Warcraft 3 Reforged, but what exactly was the remaster supposed to entail? Because, so, so you know, some games do full remakes, like yeah. Resident Evil 2. Some just touch up graphics. Some just ah, add so HD resolution. So, so what was this? Well, there you go. That's, that goes into the question quite well. So this is, you know, Warcraft 3, one of the granddaddies of the strategy genre, shall we say. It mm -hmm. must be 12 years old, if not 15 years old or something. I think maybe even more of that at this point, excuse me for, for, for not knowing. But an old real-time strategy game built a lot of the fundamentals of other strategy games that, you know, that not just Blizzard, but other companies built on. Um, you know, it, it's Warcraft 3, a mod for Warcraft 3 launched the, um, you know, Dota and the League of Legends that, it, you know, it, Dota is a, was originally a custom map for Warcraft 3. There's now a whole genre. 
um, of games just to show how influential it was. But, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, about two years ago, Blizzard announced they wanted to give it some love, you know, give it some give it some TLC. Because, I mean, it's still a game. There is still a pro scene for Warcraft 3. It's still a game. There's a big competitive scene for. Um, you can still find, you know, hundreds of ladders and things like that for it online. Um, and Blizzard decided to give it some love and completely overhaul the game. Um, so it was primarily a graphical overhaul and graphical update. But on top of that, there were supposed to be additional features. There were supposed to be um, some new single-player assets, some new things here, some new cutscene changes, a bit of uh, a bit of changes there. There's also supposed to be obviously new, completely, complete whole new, uh, new sorry UI, um, extensive reworking of their competitive scene, their ranking, their ladder system, all of this sort of stuff, which was what people were most excited about because people who play the game these days play it for the multiplayer, they play it for the custom maps, um, etc. So. Yeah, Blizzard showed it off first about two years ago. They they showed you know new assets, new artwork, everything looked fantastic. And to at that point, it looked like it had probably been almost done because I mean, it is an old game. It's not that big. Surely you think the artwork can't take that long, no matter what happens to you know for fifty models or so. Um, but um, yeah, released what two three weeks ago now. Absolutely bombed in the community. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, so, bombed. So what went wrong? So so firstly, what went wrong is the things that. Blizzard said we're going to be in it. We're not in it. They cut features basically without telling anybody. Um, all of the new content for single player, which is already, which is already getting more and more limited as we're close to release date, didn't exist anymore. They cut a uh, cut a whole bunch of it. So they were the, planning on adding additional. Yes, but only player. minimal. To be fair, right. it was only supposed to be small. Mm -hmm. um, there was supposed to be some new cutscenes and things of that nature, which weren't there. Um, the things that were there were a significant downgrade from what had been showed off before. Um, you know, if you look at the the, the cutscenes that they showed off a long time ago for as assets, and then what was released in the game, it was night and day not the same. Uh, it was not the same product. But to be honest, although that's what affected me because I care about the single player, I, I've memories of it, of, you know, fondly of, 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 as a young man, you know, playing it single player. So I like that side of things. Um, the key for the community and why it was so, you know, downvoted and, and hated is because they crushed the entire multiplayer and, and ripped the heart out of it. So they got rid of all the ladder systems that were in the game so far, um, all the matchmaking, all the ranking systems, all of these things which were already super basic because they were built on 15-year-old technology. Um, and Blizzard completely got rid of all of them. They made it so it's essentially impossible now to host a tournament, do any sort of ranking system. Um, or anything like that, which is what was keeping that game alive, and it makes just absolutely no sense for for anyone you know involved, really. Um, so that was where the primary hate of this game has come along. And on top of that, I, I know we mentioned as well they they changed the the end user license agreement, so they now own all modded content for the game. They own all custom maps. They have the rights to etc. Which you know is something that people have been making custom maps for this game for fifteen years. You know, it's it's just a whole you know, the wave here of different bad decisions they've made. And obviously everyone's calling it now Warcraft 3 refunded. It's been completely, ref you know, obviously we don't get those stats, but I can tell you this by reading online, the sheer volume of refunds that Blizzard must have got is crazy. Um, I know people complained or, or people, um, you know, complained to like fair standards and stuff like that. And that's why Blizzard had to actually release a dedicated link just to refund Warcraft 3. Right. There's a link that you just, you know, just, just share and it will instantly take you to the Warcraft 3 refunded menu, etc. I mean, I for one, I refunded it myself because, um, so I, I I do completely understand because, um, yeah, it just, it was, and I think it was released for £30 or whatever it was. It was not a cheap game for, a, you know, for a 15 year old remaster mm. and it, there was no value for money there. And to be honest, I think we've just, 
seen the end of Blizzard as, to be honest, one of the the shining lights of the gaming industry, which they were for so many years. They were, you know, a byword for for quality and finished products, and now they have completely lost that. And have they put out like a statement as to why this has happened? Like, did they say, especially if it's missing stuff that they mm-hmm. did show or then started to lose features, did yeah. they kind of communicate that beforehand? No. Or just... Well, yes, the, the things that were missing, sorry, they did communicate very, very short, very close to the release date. But it was, I said, the main hate has come from the multiplayer side. Nothing about that was discussed whatsoever. And did they give um, a reason? More, more they reason. didn't. And there was, I, I can't remember the wording of it now, but they released a very, very budget borderline offensive that had so little in it like statement yeah. from them just saying we're sorry the release hasn't gone according to plan we will continue to try and support the game through updates and, and new features you know nothing at all that sucks man because like the the RTS genre especially is like there's so many good games from like 10 mm-hmm. or 15 years ago that are like absolutely beloved and 20 years ago in the early 2000s especially I guess that is 20 years ago now pretty much so it's just such a shame that like a remaster like that would fail so hard. Even the Age of Empires 2 uh, kind of remake that mm-hmm. they just did recently. I can't remember what it's actually called. It's not definitive edition. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, that was straight. Like, its multiplayer features just weren't... Yeah. It's just really basic. It's yeah. like, you could make this... It's, it seems like such little effort to really make this just go that little bit further than to be like a game that sticks around for like so much yeah. longer. That it just seems really short-sighted to mm-hmm. mess something up like that. Like if it's if it's not right, just delay it. Yeah. If they don't have those kind of features like ladders and and things that people have come to expect from the previous game, mm-hmm. then like just de- like what's the hurry? Absolutely. Just, you, it can't be that expensive for a, a, a touch-up remaster old mm-hmm. game because you know the body of work is done, mm-hmm. and it's such a va- um, it's such an important touchstone to the RTS community as Absolutely. well that are starving mm-hmm. for a game like that at the moment. Like, they, they might not be the biggest genre ever, obviously. And, uh, you know, Dota and games like that have eaten away at a lot of the real-time strategy fans out there. I know they're not the same game, but that rise kind of coincides with the decline yeah. of RTS games. But, you know, since, like, Company of Heroes 2 and Age of Empires, there hasn't really been that much in, no. R- in, in well-respected RTS games. So something coming back, like a Warcraft 3, if it had a ladder system and some staying power and extra things like community support and tools and things like that it's so strange that that they just mess it up it seems yeah. just so ripe for even you know not to be corporate but monetization opportunities Absolutely. later on you know and stuff but like i mean you said you mentioned obviously age of empires and although that is still quite well respected as a, as a definitive edition it didn't have everything in it you needed but that was a small studio that that's responsible for that um and you know this you know you can under you can understand if there's some things were missing and weren't quite perfect this is blizzard aka activision's like most profitable arm company of thousands of employees who you know who know how important this is to the community and has been for such a long time there's just no excuse there's no you know there's no lack of money there there's no lack of staff there so it only really can be a lack of care and that's what people are taking from it and it's no yeah. excuse really and just to clarify as well with age of empires you know it was actually a really faithful the definitive edition mm-hmm. is totally faithful oh, bundles, bundles all the content together and it looks great it's just that yeah the extra if they went the extra mile just with the um multiplayer especially yeah. like there's a very 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 loose and hard to kind of get into ranking system that they've got but mm-hmm. if they made like a really good approachable ranking system and stuff then i think it would just be a lot easier for a lot of people to connect with and stay in the game and stuff like that but yeah Completely. but it's they're not really comparable like that was a good it's still a good definitive yeah, edition it is. It's, it is the best version of the game and no one was really complaining about that but yeah it sucks i don't know yeah it seems well, really there we are as, as i said i think they've, they've burnt their bridges really with the community that's that's about 
four or five things down. It, it, massive issues people have had with the uh, with, with Blizzard, you know, slash Activision at the moment, and, and there's a lot of hate for them online. But... This is a bit of a tangent. I know you used to play World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. They have their um, vanilla edition, don't they? Where you yeah, can play classic. that? Classic, yeah. classic. Do you play that? What's um, I that? played it for a week or so when it came out. Um, as I think, as I think a lot of people, because they keep releasing their numbers, and their numbers have been very, very low for classic. Oh, right. um, because I think most, and I think that's. They didn't do anything wrong there. They did exactly what they said they were going to do, and they did it very well. Um, but um, sorry, excuse sorry. me. Um, but um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I think most people, including Blizzard themselves, know that the classic version of the game is the hardest. It's the most unforgiving. It's the most unuser friendly and unperson friendly game possible um, because it's based on 15 years ago technology. So most people, like myself, jumped into it for a week, two weeks, a month. For the nostalgia, and then went. Actually, I really like all the features they've added over the last fifteen years. You know, <laughs> there's been a lot of changes they've made, a lot of good quality of life improvements that I don't have anymore. So, what it seems that there is still a good fan base who are playing that game and loving that game, mm-hmm. but it's nowhere. You know, it's not comparable or competition to World of Warcraft. Its main, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, main servers. All right, so uh, let's move on to the next one. So this is more about a more general topic about the state of E3, especially for 2020. Uh, so Sony went at E3 last year, mm-hmm. which people kind of put off as like, well, they don't have that many games coming out. It's the end of the life cycle of the PlayStation, and I'm sure they'll be back for the you know PlayStation 5 hype next year in 2020. But they put out a statement not that long ago saying that they're not going to be showing up. And then uh, just recently, Jeff Keighley, who's been known to kind of host the E3, or just be um, a producer of E3, uh, and kind of a kind of a face of the industry that would be associated with E3 for 20 plus years really and then now he's more known I'd say for the video game awards every year Uh, he just put out a statement in a tweet uh, that he said that he would not be attending the show this year he said quote I've debated what to say about E3 2020 while I want to support the developers who will showcase their work I also need to be open and honest with you the fans about precisely what to expect from me I'll have uh, I have made the difficult decision to decline to produce E3 Coliseum for the first time in 25 years. I won't be participating in E3. Look forward to supporting the industry in other ways at other events in the future. End quote. Now, I, th- I thought it was a really strange quote. He doesn't really go into why or anything like that. He says he wants to be honest with fans. Now, there's some last year E3 leaked a bunch of influencer yeah, and journalist um, kind of credentials and information, and personal information, including addresses and numbers and things like that. So they kind of like lost a little bit of trust there, I think, with the journalists and things like that. Um, but this year, they've also had another kind of website leak. I actually don't know the full details of it, but it's nothing as severe as that. But I think, again, it was like, oh, really? Like, again, like they're having some information leak that people are yeah. a little bit worried about. And it just doesn't seem to be like, you know, the not running properly. I yeah, guess you for could an say, event like, of that magnitude, exactly. etc. After it, Considering last year... <clears throat> Excuse me. Considering last year, it just seems like the I can't think of the word, but they don't have everything all buttoned down, and yeah. buttoned up, right? Yeah. They seem to have some some holes still in mm-hmm. them, or whatever. I can't think of a good analogy. <laughs> no, on that. no, I'm you know what I mean. Yep. So because of that, they seemed. I, I don't know if that ties into why Jeff Keighley decided not to go there, but he just said, uh, decided not to participate this year. But it does seem to be like quite a big blow to have like a major, major player, and you know, one of the big three publishers uh, and uh, console manufacturers, really not take part and then you have like someone who's super big in the industry also consider it not relevant or important enough for him to go to to report on what's going to be shown there i mean i mean i guess sony's more understandable this year because we're all expecting an announcement for 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 ps5 prior to e3 this year so Mm -hmm. i guess from their side they're going to see it 
all I can imagine is they see it's redundant. All the stuff they would show at E3, they're going to have shown a few months earlier. Um, yeah. You know, hopefully by March, April time, you know, that's we're all predicting. Um, so it's probably just the fact that it, there's not going to be enough content for them to do two conferences in, you know, within a few months' time of each other. Um, but obviously, you know, E3 is always going to have a soft spot, you know, in my heart. Obviously, Dar Darren and I used to make some videos regarding oh, E3 yeah. wrap-ups, and that was our first sort of absolute tiny water droplet of internet i totally YouTube forgot that celebrity. yeah, yeah forgot i know that. i know i know but um yes yeah, so we used to cover all of the all the you know e3 news on a day-by-day -day basis so we used to you know watch it together on, on streams and stuff so it would always have a you know a, a soft spot in my heart i still love seeing it i still will probably watch a lot of the conferences this year just because i love seeing you know the glimpses of things that are coming out but you know i do think that maybe is it becoming less relevant maybe it is i don't know um what do you it, think it certainly seems like it is like you know the question of relevancy is interesting because in 2013, Sony revealed their uh, PlayStation at, in February at their own conference, yeah, and then they still that. went to E3 to show like more details on it. But I guess this year, maybe they're just going to have a complete blowout and show everything in one go. And certainly, I feel like at least hardcore gamers or, or gamers that are interact... I mean, everyone's going to be reporting on it, even yeah. journalists and mainstream. So, I mean, if they just make the event all about them, they don't have to pay the ESA an absolutely huge amount of money. Absolutely. And they just get to do it on their own terms and they can decide when to do it. They could do it after E3 if they wanted, even at this point. Mm -hmm. Although I think they will go before, probably. Um, but there's, you know, there's rumors about like they're kind of waiting to see maybe potentially if Xbox will go first and, yeah. and announce their prices and maybe they could try to undercut them. There's all these other rumors about uh, the cooling systems and the hardware in the PlayStation apparently is really driving up the costs yeah. and whether or not they can take a hit on that. And, you know, Sony's sitting on top at the moment in terms of revenue they over 100 million playstation 4s sold so they have an extremely impressive uh console that they just come off the back of so i feel like they're also kind of thinking like well we've got people on our side and they're going to be wanting yeah. to pay attention to our next iteration so they can just do it on the stuff the question is yeah is e3 relevant or irrelevant or what's going to be like in future as a consumer trade show they're talking about opening it up to actually more people and getting more fans yeah in. I don't know if that's going to be a good idea. That seems to like push publishers away from that idea because they want to have their own kind of almost showcase where it's just influencers and media. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of like how that all plays out. Because yeah, with regards to whether it's still relevant or not, if I was wearing my corporate hat and I was saying like as a publisher, I'd be like, well, it doesn't seem like as a big publisher, right? Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony. It doesn't seem like you'd need to go when you have like your audiences super engaged anyway. Yeah. Microsoft probably have the most to gain from it because they want to like pull people away from the other two consoles, if anything. Um, so they probably have the most to gain to going to like other events and as much consumer electronics shows as they can, like CES and things like that. Um, I mean, let, so, yeah. let's be honest. For, as you said, for, for Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, you know, it might be a different story for some of the game publishers and etc. themselves, but for the manufacturers, Realistically, there's not a lot of there wasn't really anything they're going to gain from because from the media can just come to them, right? The media exactly. really needs them just as much as they need the media. Exactly. I mean, obviously, they wouldn't want to rule out media altogether, but media is not going to not report no. on a PlayStation Five reveal, no, or whatever it might be. So, they, I feel like they could have done this a long time ago if they yeah. really wanted to, right? Done it on their own terms and I mean, just get as much as impact impact as before. I mean, to be honest, I think the only reason they've done it for so long is much more about consumer goodwill and engaging with the audience a bit yeah, in this big in this big event where every you know where all, all you know all your media and all your journalists from you know from major magazines to tiny you know indies and stuff are all in one place, all engaging with you, and it's a good sort of PR opportunity more than anything else. Yeah. But as you said, I think now. We're at the point now where you know we're in the fifth gen, or whatever it is, where where companies know the value they have with these consoles. They 
can happily host their own massive event with all the bells and whistles on it, you know, and completely completely show exactly what they want to show with their own angles without any of the time limits, without any of the other restrictions and without the money that they'd be paying out to um, to the organisers. Have you ever watched the, I haven't heard any reports on this, but the PC gaming show at E3? Um, I think I've probably caught bits of it, but I... It's usually sure. known for being pretty mediocre compared to like the really? other ones. Yeah, well, they just never really have that much to show. PC-centric publishers don't really tend to get too involved mm. to do any reveals or anything like that. It's often like an indie showcase. Nothing wrong, not, not to say there's anything wrong with indies, uh, they can show off some pretty interesting games. Most of the games, I think, from last year just like were in early access and then just like closed down or yeah. didn't make it. There was like a thousand-player battle royale game that just like completely failed. Sure. So it's just like things like that. It'll just be interesting to see like without a major publisher, will other publishers like uh, games publishers will they go towards uh, showcasing things at a PC gaming show? Like, mm-hmm. there's only so much time you have to show your game off now at an Xbox stage. You know, if you're a multi-platform game or if you're on PC as well as Xbox, for instance. So you've only got so much time there. And then PS4 is gone. And then Nintendo don't really do E3 either anymore, properly anyway. So PC gaming, maybe uh, uh, kind of a result of this might be that we get a better show for the PC gaming side. Maybe. Or everyone just says no and they don't bother like putting their stuff up there at all. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it seems that like the only way that what E3 is obviously not going to stop running, they're just going to make it much more of a consumer event where they just make it much more like any other expo. It's not going to be a journalist and trade event like they try and market it as now. Yeah. It's just going to be a, you know, pay 200 quid and come along and, and have a look at our cosplayers. And, and The yeah. thing, the things I'm interested in would be like for P, for PC especially, like there's rumors about Payday 3 maybe is, yeah, is coming I've heard around. Payday 3 so it's like it. that, that would be kind of a game that would, if you wanted to make a big showcase out of PC stuff, right? They were kind of a PC centric game yeah, at absolutely. first and then they, they migrated to consoles and were very successful there. But that would be the kind of thing that I think could have a place to have their own announcement at a PC gaming uh, conference. And then, you know, it could be on console as well, of course. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if yeah. they do anything like that. Oh no, it definitely could still be great. I'm not, I don't want to, you know, completely, you know, shit all over it. It could still be very well. It would have to yeah. refocus itself slightly, as you said, and, and maybe up the quality. I think there's nothing wrong with having a, you know, a huge amount of indie games, obviously a lot of whom are not going to make it, etc. Because, but you've got to have the, the AAA side of that as well. And things that are tried and tried and tested too. Yeah. Because you need the AAA to bring in the eyeballs, Absolutely. Right? you know, in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting well, that you know we'll uh, that Jeff Keighley has decided to move on from it. It'll be interesting to see like if E three what kind of shape or form it takes next year, because uh, you would think, especially with a year building up to consoles, that would be a really big one, right? Yeah. Really big one. But then it's it just seems weird that's kind of there's not really much hype for it actually at the moment anyway. Uh, all right, so moving on to the next one. Uh, so this is more in your wheelhouse, wheelhouse but. Uh, NVIDIA's GeForce Now has pulled Activision Blizzard games as they weren't supposed to be there. Uh, An NVIDIA representative explained that while Activision had permitted its games to be part of the beta test, the two companies had not discussed licensing terms beyond the beta. Consequently, NVIDIA was forced to remove the titles, adding, quote, per their their request, please be advised Activision Blizzard games will be removed from the service, end quote. Uh, So uh, we have actually got a question that was written in about this, but... Have you experienced uh, yeah, so NVIDIA I, GeForce? I was going to say, I think the way you phrased that question was probably quite complimentary and, and a bit a bit um, glossed over a little bit because it was actually, it was um, it was Blizzard and Activision that pulled their games from NVIDIA, not NVIDIA saying, you know, you guys don't want to be on, you guys shouldn't be on the platform anymore. Um, so it only launched a oh, matter of weeks. I got this from Eurogamer, by the way. <laughs> Classic Eurogamer. Um, it was only a matter of weeks or, or things that it become it launched properly and become popular before that. You right. obviously paid a lot of marketing because I saw it popping up all over the place on different sites. 
And then their first big piece of publicity was 20 plus, uh, I think about 20 major AAA, you know, games were pulled straight away from the platform. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's not the best start from them, but it does, I know we spoke a bit about cloud gaming last time, but it does seem to be, GeForce Now does seem to be the most user-friendly and supported of all, of all the platforms because it seems to operate quite like Stadia, as in, you know, you can run it on your TV, you can run it on an Android phone or an Android tablet and, and all other sorts of devices. But um, unlike Stadia, you know, you um, you play the games you already own. It links up to Steam, it links up to Origin, it links up right. to a few different services as well. I think it links up to Epic and a few other things as well. And, you know, as long all you need is the whatever controller is compatible with what you want to play it on. Um, but other than that, you're playing the games you already own. There's, um, there's no other major costs on that apart from a you know the, the monthly the monthly fee right um i didn't know that that sounds yeah pretty good <laughs> that's what i mean so it has the most potential there and i think i was reading a lot, been a lot of reviews and things over the last few weeks when it's become quite popular and they've all been very very positive they, uh, most of them have said you know there's still a few kinks and it's not quite a hundred percent there but of the services available it's by far got the most promise um and obviously, NVIDIA have the name and the budget, etc., to have these big agreements where they can use everyone else's software and, and, and things like that. Um, yeah, so to be honest, I think all we're really waiting for, I will test it. As soon as there's, as soon as soon it releases on iOS, I probably will test it on, on my iPad or something Well, I was like going to say, how do you use it on your TV? So I don't know. I don't, I, have, I don't know the logistics. It doesn't have its own controllers or anything like that. So yeah. I'm assuming there must be some sort of other compatible controllers or, or what have you or yeah I mean, well you need something person. to connect yeah, to the exactly. tv even in the first place yeah like, it's done through and like the way you know uh you're watching youtube on your phone you can chromecast it yes yeah. or something like that but i mean i guess a lot of a lot of tvs you know do have usbs and stuff and you do have um uh keyboards and mice and stuff that are compatible that already exists i mean yeah. they're not the best we'll have to look that up I'll have yeah to we'll have to check that out but I, but I don't know but i know you can also actually try it for free, completely for free as well like they their free option is unlimited Wow. But um, in terms of time frame, it's not like a one month only, but you can only play for an hour at a time. Right. You have slightly downgraded graphics, but I think it's only very, very oh, minimal. Yeah. Like RTX isn't on and a few I other bits. I did see something about that. And um, then um, is, this, is this only accessible then, I assume, to NVIDIA, people who have NVIDIA cards? So I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case because it's really? not streaming from your computer. It's streaming from, it's a cloud their, computer yeah, service. Computers. Yeah, it's from there. So it's irrelevant if you own a video card yourself or not. It's just you pay the annual membership fee. You, right. pay, you pay the annual fee or the monthly fee or what have you. Yeah. And then you have unlimited. Um, but obviously, you know, you, you're you going to be a PC gamer because you're going to have your Steam games or your Epic games, whatever that you're, you're going to be logging into. Well, it seems like a, a much better solution to the problem that Stadia is trying to, is trying to quote, solve. Absolutely. Uh, which is you already have your games. You can just play on different platforms. I mean, that's... That's like they can never compete. If no, there's. I mean, what can they do then? Absolutely not. <laughs> they can't have you charge. See, they charge for. You have to buy the games yeah. and the serve, and then pay for a monthly service and the hardware, and then you have to buy your controller and so on. Yeah. So yeah, that that seems just absolutely crazy. No, there's no way they could compete. They'd have to. I mean, I I don't. I wouldn't be surprised like if they just restructure. They're going to try and stay competitive, yeah. which is good. But uh, yeah, I think with their current model, there is absolutely. Well, why no would chance. you ever choose to buy a Google Stadia for you know? Well, I think the hardware is about eighty quid or whatever it is, and then mm. you know, plus the service, plus all the additional you know AAA games, which are fifty pounds each or whatever. When you can go and buy a second-hand PlayStation Four for a hundred pounds or whatever, with a lot of games from you know at this point in the product's yeah. life cycle, and it's not the newest, but it will play everything the Stadia will play um, for a significantly less cost to entry, and it does other things as well, and like you know, Blu-ray, Media Center, all that side of things. Yeah. So. 
Well, um, the, the argument yeah. might be like, oh, I want to play it in 4K, but I would argue with like streaming and stuff, it's just never going to reach that quality that you get yeah. with your own 4K. The you reviews know, I've read are that it's nowhere near 4K. It's, yeah. it, most times it seems to struggle to be 1080p. Um, yeah. So yeah, one day this technology will be there. And, and I know, give this time 10 years, I think a lot more things will be cloud-based, but at the moment, we're just not there yet. We got a question on this. I should have read it really at the start, but Dan Sousa wrote in and said, NVIDIA has released GeForce now. Thoughts on it and cloud streaming gaming. We already kind of just explained our thoughts on it, but what do you think about cloud streaming gaming just in general? I mean, we did touch on it last yeah. week, but do you think, do you see yourself actually subscribing to one of these services? Absolutely. I mean, I, I could definitely see, you know, see the desire <clears throat> and I think it could be great. Um, and yeah, I know we spoke br briefly about on live last time and apparently there, there, um, there's, there's another service called like Shadowplay. Uh, I'm not sure, but something something along those lines that I actually subscribed to for a very very brief time to test out a year or two ago, and it was much early stages where mm -hmm. it literally, um, you know, they've got their huge big servers, and you essentially have your own individual cloud-based computer on their server. So you, you open it up, and it's like a fresh install of Windows. Right. You can do with it from what you will. You can install Steam from it. You can watch videos on it. You can do. You can store documents on it. Whatever yeah. you like. It's like your partition. Exactly, it's your partition of a really, really high-end um, computer server system. Um, but I definitely think in a few years' time, it, we're going to be in a position where, you know, on your handheld, you know, on your handheld, whatever, on your tablets, etc., you're going to be able to stream AAA quality games mm -hmm. um, from, you know, from Nvidia or from Google or whatever cracks this market first. But I think. It's always going to be dependent on the internet speed. Well, for instance, you have a you have a pretty good PC. Yeah. You've got a PlayStation. You've got a good, good TV and stuff. So why would you want to then go into streaming if you've already got that stuff? Or are you thinking like five years time, maybe I won't get a new PC. I'll just well, I, I don't I don't know if we'll ever be uh, that, or maybe we will, but maybe we won't be that point in five years. But I think more about on the move and on the go. To be honest, I think yeah. more about you know traveling and commuting and stuff like that. You know, places where you would take your iPad to play games now on the train or, or what have you. I think we'll be in a position, you know, at some point where that will be cloud-based. And I think, you know, with, um, I don't want to get too technical, but with, with, you know, the 5G mobile network launching in the UK in the next few years, yeah. I think that will have the bandwidth to support, you know, to support that sort of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's probably where it'll become most prevalent, it'll be mobile. I would agree. Like, I mean, I feel like that's where I think I said last week, like, or not last week, last month yes. at this point, but last episode, I think that's what I was saying, like on the go and in mobile and commuting and things like that. That's where I feel like I would use streaming the most. And that seems to be where it makes the most sense. You've yeah. got a tiny device, so you just won't ever have the power that you need. But for a home solution, I just don't ever see using it, me no. personally. But I could see how maybe someone who just was coming into gaming and they didn't have a PC, yeah. it would be a quite turnkey yeah. solution to not having to worry about, you know, what do I need? Do I have to get my own graphics cards? And, you know, for a lot of people, like, that is actually really technical stuff, even yeah. though it's, you know, it's relatively straightforward, I think. But some people do worry about, they hear about, like, RAM and GPUs and clock speeds and what type of CPU should they get. They don't know if they should buy a PC or build their own. And if you say to them, well, like, for $10 or $10 a month, you know, there is a PC somewhere that's just going to feed Absolutely. you your games. <laughs> it, it's a pretty attractive solution uh, to someone maybe yeah. coming into gaming. But yeah, for someone who's established like myself, I feel like for me, at least, it would be best suited to like on the go, like you yeah. said. Exactly. I completely agree, to or be honest. I'm away. Even yeah. things like, it's actually kind of cool when you think about like you go on a holiday or something or even you're lying in bed and you just want to open up your phone, you could play whatever yeah. game you want. That's an interesting like, no, concept. No, I completely agree. I think there was definitely, um, you know, We'll do something with it in the future, but we're just not there yet. But yeah. actually, there's a huge amount of people that, you know, do see PC gaming. The PC is a big barrier to entry. And 
you know, I do think at some point in the future we will be, everything will be cloud-based, but for people like you and I who are already very heavily invested in, you know, in the peripherals and in the hardware and stuff, that's going to be a long way down the road. Yeah. Yep. All right. So the next topic is uh, one close to my heart. It is the Paradox pricing experiment. So the CEO of Paradox Interactive, Ebba Junggrund, something Swedish. Excellent pronunciation. Uh, thank you. Tweeted, uh, quote, as you might have seen in industry media, we are currently trying out a subscription solution on Europa Universalis 4 where you as a player get access to everything for around five euro per month. Super interesting for us to look at different models for our games as they live on for so long. And then in a second tweet, she said, we know it can be hard for a new player to delve right into many years of DLCs and hope that this will improve the journey for new fans and players. It doesn't mean we're going to abandon our DLCs, but rather testing adding an option for fans who prefer this, end quote. So what do you think of that? So I don't know, obviously, you know, I'm a lot newer and, you know, more have my toe in the water in, in, uh, in Paradox's grand strategy market compared to, compared to you and your listeners. So it doesn't impact me as much. But to be honest, maybe that's actually more beneficial for this because I'd be more of the target demographic for this, for something like this. Because obviously anyone is experienced and, you know, a lot of your, you know, viewers are quite heavily into the, the Paradox grand strategy things they're already going to have the DLC. They're going to know mm-hmm. about them. They're going to have all this stuff. Unlike someone like myself, if I picked up, um, you know, EU or Crusader Kings or whatever it may be, and there are 50 different DLC packs of every different type of thing, I'm not going to have a clue where to, be, where to get started, where to be involved, anything like this. So um, do, do you know any idea, anything about the pricing model there? I haven't talked about anything like that. She just said as a, in, her, you know, in her tweet that for around five euro per oh, month. Oh, sorry, five euro, okay. But that's for specifically just for that game. Mm-hmm. So to be honest... If it was me, I probably would do that. If that includes... So their their game has about, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I reckon somewhere between 10 and 20 DLCs, uh, about seven, I'd say, of which are like full-on expansions that are quite yep. quite hefty in price, maybe like $20 each or something. Mm-hmm. And then they've got all their cosmetics and all their extra things and events and stuff so like that. Do so. you get access to the game for that much money? The, the yes. core base game as well? Okay. You, get, you get the game and all of its DLC. Okay. So basically then they're just looking at a subscription model for... for you know, paradox games essentially you know, with 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 the EU's yeah. starting point. So obviously, they made Crusader Kings two free to play. Yeah. So that was their first kind of experiment into that. Like, what if we just give this game for free? Because that game has something like twenty DLCs as yeah. well. Um. You know, and and f- hardcore fans of those series are actually you know they're quite up in arms about how they've handled DLC. Mm-hmm. I think they were experimenting. These games are old. You know, CK two came out in twenty twelve. So they were really experimenting with DLC kind of for the first time with that game. We're at the kind of early stages yeah. of DLC. How big do we make them? How small do we make them? What do we can't, what what do we do? Do we put features in or is it just cosmetic? What do we do? And then they've gotten better over time. So with their latest games like Hearts of Iron and Stellaris, they've slowed down how much volume of DLC they do. And they do, in my opinion at least, much higher quality. It's still not always great. It can still be a little muddled of what you're getting and where. But it is way better than it used to be. And uh if Imperator, like Imperator Rome obviously isn't a very successful game for them in terms of their player base, it actually sold quite well. But it's interesting to see in that game that they haven't released any DLC for it yet because they're just trying to get the game into, yeah. good, into good shape before they do. But they have some content packs coming up. And by the looks of things, it's going to be pretty small DLCs actually for now. Um, but nothing to the extreme yet, at least that which we've seen for Europa Universalis 4 and CK2. So the problem, I guess, is for them, at least with those games... It's that they have these established games with now after like five, six years of content just built up so much mm-hmm. um, massive list of page, like massive DLC page lists under the button to buy. And people are often just put off by that. I'm put off yeah. by it. I don't play Crusader Kings because there's 20 DLCs and I don't want to play a game that's eight years old that is a Paradise Games. They look awful, especially the older ones. But I'm very interested in CK3. 
Um, so I guess the question would be like, yeah, what's actually interesting as well, I'm kind of going in circles here, but at the beginning of this, before we recorded today, you know, I showed you, you're playing Stellaris and you were asking me what DLCs maybe yeah, should you get. Um, so like, there's a perfect example there of would you, let's say game included, would you pay $5 a month for that and yeah. get all the DLCs? Because that game now has 10 DLCs as well, pretty much. I mean, to be honest, I would. Obviously, I bought Stellaris a long time ago, probably in a deep Steam discount, you know, for for 10 quid or whatever it would have been discounted to. But if it, you know, someone like yourself had highly recommended it to me and been like, oh, you should play Stellaris, there are a whole bunch of DLCs, I probably would pay £5 and try it, even if I tried it for a month or, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, chances are a game like that myself, I'm probably going to play for two, three, four months, you know, in total amount of time before I never really pick it up again, chances are, yeah. um, knowing my own habits. So it would be beneficial for me to pay £20 for those four months or something similar rather than paying 50 or 60 quid for all those DLCs and then, you know, only having a small access to them. So it makes sense, but on the flip side is, you know, I am getting a bit tired of all these subscription subscription services. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I am foolish and subscribe to every single one of them. If it exists, I'm a subscriber. That's um, terrible. Yeah, I, I know. But... See, this is what I was, yeah, I was talking about this in my Discord with people and I was saying, you know, it, it would make the most sense to me uh, you know, well, as a consumer, I guess, for us to get an entire Paradox catalog discount. Mm. So it's like a $5 a month gets you all of their games yeah. and all of the DLC. Their games are so big and involved, not many people are actually really playing multiple at the same time, yeah. right? At least, unless that's like all you do, because they, they demand so much of your time. How yeah. can you play Crusader Kings, Hearts of Iron, Europe Universalis all in the same month? Absolutely. I mean, maybe you can in multiplayer with friends and stuff, but I think that's a really small Chances subset. Are, yeah of people most people i know tend to stick with one and then play other games uh at least from what i what i'm familiar with so i i personally think that they wouldn't lose that much value if they just kept p i i'd actually so here's the thing if it was one game like stellaris like you said you might subscribe for three or four months and then maybe realize you know what i'm actually not playing that game anymore you might come back when a dlc comes out and that actually kind of makes it attractive to think that you can get a 20 pound dlc for five pound yeah. a month and maybe play for two more months and then bounce out but if it was their entire catalog, I reckon that you'd be much more willing to stick around because you'd be like, oh, you know, I'll probably try this other game mm -hmm. this month. I have this game that I never tried. I never played Imperator Rome, maybe, or I never never played City Skylines, for instance, is a Paradox game. They don't, you know, it's not their studio that makes it, but they publish it. Completely forgot about that. They, they, so, they have so many games under their publishing wing that they could actually, like, really include. And they could even, you know, they could even tier it. It didn't wouldn't have to be $5. It could be, I would probably pay $10 mm -hmm. a month just to get all that and never have to ever buy their oh, games. Oh, I, I would for the whole catalogue, definitely. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Because you're looking at games like, yeah, City Skylines, Hearts of Iron, Stellaris, Europa Universalis, Imperator Rome, Crusader Kings, uh, the new Crusader Kings as well, if they're including their new games. Yeah. It's just like it's Surviving Mars. Like all of these games are just like yeah. incredibly deep and uh, consume a lot, eat a bunch of time. So I think it would be just such, such good value. And they could even then bump the price up a little bit because yeah. of that. I was going to say, because for that sort of money, I don't think it would make economic sense for them because you've just reminded me of the broad range of their catalogue. But it's, like I said, so you many. don't buy all of the... Well, I guess I guess I have bought most of the games. I mean, I was going to say, I own most of the games you just yeah. mentioned. <laughs> but my thing is that you don't play them every month. So no. if you... I just feel like I wouldn't stick around with a subscription for one game. And I definitely wouldn't get two subscriptions for two games. Yeah. I just wouldn't do that. But if there was one subscription for all the games, I'd probably never not let it go. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. And to be honest, it, it makes... There's a business sense from the other side of things that you never need to worry about how well a game sells. You are you have guaranteed income every month, you know, like 
you know, it's like having you know your own Patreon, etc. As a game developer, you don't need to worry too much about it, which yeah. might be a good thing, it might be a bad thing. I don't know, but it's definitely a potential option, and I'm not surprised that they'd consider it. You know, based on as you said, just the depth of their library there. I mean, everyone else is. Why wouldn't they? It'd be inter- it's interesting as well because they have continued development of those games, but I wonder how they'd handle a game like where Imperator Rome is like on the ropes right now of whether it's going to continue or not. Yeah. They say they're going to stick with it, stick with it for a year. They've got a few months left to go, and then beyond that, I don't know. Uh, have they Depend- got anything else in the pipeline after that? Have they got anything else they've announced? Uh, so they actually came out with the roadmap of what they're going to do for a year, and then just recently they changed what they're going to do for the last part of that year and said that instead of one big update, we're going to do several smaller ones in the lead up to that end uh, end goal. Sorry, I meant not just for Imperator, but for them, Paradox <laughs> generally. What's their roadmap looking like? Oh, for games? Well, they got uh, Crusader Kings three coming out okay. uh, this year as far as i know uh, they haven't announced anything else they have two game directors though that are working on two different projects okay. at so there their, are things at the their studios yeah. and then they're also publishing um vampire vampire bloodlines Mas- 2 vampire or whatever bloodlines it's called two, yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, so that's like their foray into the triple a space and yeah. they've you know they're and then they've got oh that um that gangster game there's like a gangster game Don't by remember. romero studios oh, i can't believe i can't empire sin that's its name oh i've heard of that yeah, so that's in development. That's them publishing one rather than developing it internally. So Paradox is split into two, really. They have Paradox Interactive, which is the publishing, yeah. and Paradox Development Studio, PDS, which is their in-house studio where they make the grand yes. strategy games, right? So, yeah, that's the kind of, you know, they could buy up any game anytime. Basically, that's what they seem to do with like things like where they just suddenly come out publishing City Skylines out of nowhere and then things like that. And they're also yeah they've got another game on the Epic Store right now that's in early access called uh, Surviving the Aftermath. Oh yeah, and that's that post-apocalyptic building game. So I mean I, I've heard very mixed things about that, but yeah. I've, I've seen I've, I've seen been it. meaning to cover that actually because this is often another another tangent, but I guess it's relevant. Um, but generally speaking, yeah. So the Surviving brand is what they've they kind of like termed yeah. this as. It's not being made by the people who make Surviving Mars. It's mm-hmm. a different team. A lot of people thought it's the same team. This team is actually a team that just previously made a mobile game before, and that's basically it. Two mobile games, I think. Apparently not very good ones either. Uh, so they seem to have been given like a lot of big cash injection from Paradox. Maybe they bought them up kind of cheap, or they haven't bought them. They're just working with them. And uh, they're then releasing an early access, post-apocalyptic, city-building, survival-ish kind of game onto Epic as an exclusive. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> Really, yeah, really far down the well there. Um, and then they're also, the last thing that they're doing is that they got their mobile game, Stellaris Galaxy Command. And mm-hmm. they got in trouble over this because it was using reused assets. It's farmed out to some Chinese developer, and it's apparently a lot more common for that to happen over there. Um, so they took the game down immediately as it launched and then brought it back up just recently. So they got their fingers in a lot of pies, uh, so to speak. They have their hands in a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, so they're doing lots, of, lots and lots of different stuff. But in terms of... Grand Strategy, Paradox Studio development games, it seems like Crusader Kings 3 is a really big one. Because Crusader Kings 2 is this huge, beloved franchise. Yes. They had a bit of a misstep with Imperator Rome, and I think they don't want to make those kind of mistakes again. No. But it would be so interesting if they came right out the gate and said, like, there's a subscription service for this, we're going to support development. But my question would be, like, how much, how guaranteed is the support of development then? Like, would they do it for a year and then say, like, oh, you know, what if the game doesn't do well, like, Imperator Rome? When you're on a subscription service, it might be a bit weird then if they said we're not supporting it anymore. Because then you'd be paying every month for a game that doesn't get any new updates or new content, or you just then have to then buy the game. If, yeah, that? I mean, that's so the, it, could, it, it could end up bad. But 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 you'd have to, you know you'd have to imagine that a lot of people who play Paradox games you know are heavily invested in the, in the Paradox Grand Strategy things, and they always know even if Imperator is terrible or whatever, 
in a year's time, 18 months' time, the next iteration is coming down the line, and that's something they've got to be interested in. But, yeah. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer, really. I, I, yeah, it's know, just, it, it, yeah, it's just it's for it's debate. Interesting. Um, that's yeah. what I was saying as well. It might make more sense to have a publisher-based subscription service. Mm. I mean, it just seems weird to do it for one game. Yeah. When, when you have something like Game Pass offering 20 games that are like AAA quality as they come out, yeah. having... It seems like they really want to have their cake and eat it too by just having one subscription service for one game. Game Pass is like 120 games, by the way. Oh, it's lo- yeah, well, it's loads. I mean, I, I meant like every month they're adding, oh, I see. They're yeah. adding like, you know, five games of AAA quality yeah. almost. Pretty much any game that's AAA quality is going on there, yep. it seems. It's kind of crazy. And every Xbox game, every Xbox development game is going on there. And they've got 11 or 10 studios now all mm-hmm. to themselves that they've been buying up. Obsidian, all these really well-renowned uh, studios. They've made a new studio over in LA in Santa Monica. Uh, I can't remember its name actually, but so good things are coming for yep, Game Pass. Absolutely. You know that. Whereas with the a, a subscription for service for one game uh, and a game that's like eight years old, is EU four going to be around in two more years in terms of new content? I don't know. But the things I think that's why it's so easy for them to do. They can throw it together with minimal effort, and it will just it will make some money and it will take along a bit. But they don't really care if it does or it doesn't. Is it the, yeah, maybe yeah, EU that 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 game has made its money for paradox they're sort of done with it now and anything else is just going to be a little bit of extra i'd love to know how their ck2 has gone since they made it free to play so they announced crusader kings 3 they make mm. their previous game free i wonder how much money if, if any they're getting from people purchasing dlc yeah, what are youtubes i follow at the moment are doing uh, doing ck2 playthroughs and let's plays and all these sort of things at the moment so mm. i'm assuming that must be being driven and like, getting a lot of views there must be driving yeah. a lot of sales and things there i'm assuming they're doing some marketing pushing things like that on it um but yeah i don't really know well, interesting. Let us know in the comments. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, I mean, it is interested. interesting. Now you've reminded me how many games Paradox do publish. Yeah, it's loads. There's yeah, and all the a lot of games one. I love as well. Um, there's, I mean, there's definitely. I mean, if, if Origin have got one, EA haven't released a new game on that in the last six months. Um, apart from Star Wars, well, in the last about nine months, apart from Star Wars, then you know, and everyone hates them as well. So there's definitely some space for Paradox people who have quite a lot of good consumer goodwill. What's well, interesting as well because Paradox is on the Epic Store, they're on the Origin Store, yes, they are, yeah. uh, and they're bundled in with the Game Pass as well. So yeah, they're, you, they're, you they're involved. Literally get their games already with Game Pass, yeah. or at least most of them. But you don't get their DLC, so that seems no. to be the differentiating factor there. Um, but yeah, Paradox are probably like the number one in terms of volume uh, gr- uh, strategy publisher yeah. on on Steam at least. You know, you have Sega. Then would be they own Amplitude, who make Endless Games, the Endless yeah. Space, and Endless Legend. You have which I never really. I mean, Endless Space. I played Endless Space. It's it's actually really good. Um, Then you have Total War, obviously, and then you have something like Company of Heroes. Yeah. That's all Sega. So they'd be like another big competitor because Total War is like this, they're huge. Oh, yeah. Um, And then the last one would be uh, Firaxis, which just has Civilization, basically. But they dominate. Yeah, (laughs) they only need Civilization. (laughs) So it's it's just interesting. They're kind of like the three big publishers that dominate at least strategy gaming on Steam. And but. Paradox seemed the most well positioned to actually go out and buy and publish. I mean, they're, they're the, the most studios. broad, as you've said. You know, uh, you know, as a practice, although they're the absolute big boys. I said all they have is Civ and. Uh, they have XCOM as well, actually. Oh, 2K. Of course they do. Yeah, yeah. Of, course, of course they do. Two um, K. Yeah, but Paradox published so many things and so many fantastic games you've mentioned there as well, amongst a few others. I'm thinking at the spring to mind. Um, so yeah, well, we'll see what they do. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Leave some comments in the in the YouTube comments, or if if you're listening on podcasts and stuff you can always tweet me at rop underscore tweets or if you join our discord we have the suggestions section there's probably going to be a podcast channel in there at some point uh, i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on these things we can actually bring them up in the next show as well as a response i listen to a few podcasts that do that where they like oh like you know a week ago or whatever 
uh, on the previous episode, someone wrote in in response yeah. to these things. It's either clarifications or corrections, or sometimes it's just like to continue the conversation if yeah, more I mean, news comes out about it. It is good to get some of your input. I was just me and Darren just looking each other in the eyes for, for an hour <laughs> talking to, to, with our own stupid opinions. Um, so speaking of pricing and publishers, uh, the next one is number five, EA price hikes on Steam. You're, you're actually kind of showed me this one as well. I guess we were just looking it up right beforehand. This one just popped up for us. Most of EA's catalog has been affected by recent price hikes. Dragon Age Origins, Mass Effect, and Need for Speed are some examples of games that have seen their prices almost double on Steam versus Origin, while games like Jedi Fallen Order remain to be the same. Um, and there's not really much more information that I was looking up to see. Did they say anything about it? They haven't said anything, but lots of people have reported it, and no one really knows why they've done it. I mean, the obvious... Well, it's not even that obvious. I don't know. It seems like they've risen, r- raised the prices on some things, obviously, to drive people to their platform, yeah. potentially. Um, because obviously Steam take a 30% cut. They take actually a little bit less if your game sells over a certain thresholds. So they might only be taking about 15%. So that might be why you're seeing like a 15, 20, 30% increase on prices. Um, but yeah, it's a bit, I mean, no one else does that. I mean, I mean, there's not, there's not, there's not a whole lot to say about it, but I think obviously, uh, I think it feeds into what I mentioned a minute ago is that they, you know, they have obviously Origin Access and Origin Access Premier, um, which is their big thing, which for a while was looking like fantastic value and still is good value. I don't want to, I don't want to naysay it. It still is good value. I'm still a subscriber, but you know, with, they've had one major release in the last nine or 10 months, which has been Star Wars, which has been fantastic, but that's it really keeping people on that, yeah. um, on that platform. I think obviously anything they can do to make the pricing model for that, I guess, more competitive and to drive people into it during a bit of a dry spell, probably the better for them. I mean, it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's EA. We know that, you know, there's not a great deal of public sympathy there for the, you know, for these guys. And, and this is exactly the sort of thing they would pull. There's only one reason they do anything. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I really not much more to say on that, but it's just interesting. And I guess buyer beware, if you're going to be looking at things on steam, maybe it might be best to look, wait for a sale or get it on origin. If you just, yeah, want to give in to the corporate overlords, I guess. Just always, you know, as with the amount of platforms that are available these days, do your research before you buy before you buy anything. I mean, with things like you know older stuff like that, you can always get on, normally get on um, on good old games GOG as well for very deep discounts compared to the compared to the major platforms. So just just do your homework. Indeed. Uh, the next one is just a very small little addition. I just wanted to mention that Cyberpunk 2077 obviously got delayed, pushed back quite significantly to September 17th uh, when it was originally slated for mid-April at some point. So that's like a sick, full-on six-month delay. And there's a bunch of news surrounding that. Uh, we're not going to go into it too much because it is kind of old news, but just want to talk to Toby about it and see are you what do you think about delays in general like so cyberpunk's getting a six month delay they basically say that they're going to actually be working even harder yeah. in those six months yeah. uh, including overtime and stuff like that some people are obviously very uh, touchy I guess you could say about you know that kind of thing that kind of thing saying like you know I can't believe they've extended the timeline and they're going to be doing overtime yeah. more extending crunch and so on and so forth uh, other people are a little bit more like oh well you know there's no gun to hell to their head. That's just their that's job, the, whatever. The, what's, the, what's that quote that everyone wheels out? It goes, you know, a, a, a rushed game is a bad game forever. A delayed game is a good game in the future. Or, mm-hmm. you know, well, it's something, I think I just butchered it. Well, something I know what you ones. mean. Yeah, I think it was a Miyamoto quote. I don't know the exact quote, but generally speaking, yeah, like you can't make a, you, by delaying a game in theory, you don't make it worse at least, yeah. right? So, and a rushed game is always going to be bad. I mean, think of all the bad and rushed out games we've had over the last couple of years. There's infinite that we all know if, the publish primarily the publishers anyway had given them an extra six months an extra year although that's a huge amount of time yeah there'd have been fantastic games and they just needed that last 10 15 percent of polish or tweaking or whatever um plus also i think 
um, a, a studio like CDPR, they have so much respect in the community and are known for releasing such high quality products. Um, there, I don't think I haven't had one bit of bad will, to be honest, about them delaying this game. I mean, coming off the high of, I mean, which just announced they'd sold 533% more games at the moment because of the series. So yeah. they've, you know, people have seen the quality there. Um, you know, they've got a lot of public faith that this is going to be an absolutely fantastic game. I think we'd all rather give them the extra six months. I agree. Brilliant. I totally agree. Do you think this game is too much hype though? And it, like, can it ever live up to that? Because it does so, seem to be extreme. And the longer yes. you push it out, it just gets more and more. I think compared, for the amount we've seen, the hype is very, very high. But the amount we've seen has been very good. Because I mean, it seems like they, they just said the other day that the core gameplay loop is going to be similar to The Witcher. As in, there's about 75 side quests they've said on top of all the main story and all, all other types of things. But, you know, for, for someone like me, who's, you know, who's nearly 30, it very much to me makes me think of old school Deus Ex. That's the vibe I get from it. Yeah. I mean, the universe seems quite similar to Deus Ex, which I'm sure is no mistake. It's this, this um, alternate future, cyberpunky, cool aesthetic. Um, and it seems, you know, very similar to De something like Deus Ex in terms of it's all about approaching situations differently, different situations. It's a proper, you know, RPG with very with a, with a huge branching... Um, system of you know systems and different ways to approach everything yeah so it does seem very very hyped and but but cdpr have got three major games under the titles which is one two and three and to be honest they've all been very very high quality um which are three and its subsequent dlcs one of which came out about two years after the release so yeah. not, you know way after the hype um was very very good so this seems quite different but you know i think if anyone's going to do it well i think these guys are, are well positioned and uh, just when I was mentioning at the beginning, um, what do you feel about, you know, there's a lot of articles that go around about crunch and stuff like yeah. that. How do you feel about that topic in general? It's quite a broad topic. I don't really have a good frame of question, a yeah. question framed for it, for you. But okay. like, I mean, obviously you've worked in the industry yourself, obviously not, not. Um, well, at the know. studio I worked at, which is, you know, is creative assembly. They don't, they don't crunch. They manage really yeah. well. It's all, in, in my opinion. And from what I've learned, um, just when I was studying in college, you know, if you have good producers and you can, you know, produce the, and uh, what's the word, plan things out accordingly and really well, you know, you can avoid crunch typically. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's, that's why you plan things out. You know, it, they're, they're making, they're programming and they're doing art. There is time estimates for all these and you can, you know, you overestimate to compensate Absolutely. for that. So bad direction potentially can lead to you saying like, actually, this game's not shaping up. We need six more months. Yeah. And that's, that might be a situation where you get something like that. Something must have, in my opinion, for six month delay, something must have changed. They said that there was, I think they said that they're in the playtesting phase and there was problems and things like that and they mm -hmm. wanted more time with it. So, you know, depending on that, basically when I worked at Creative Assembly, they did delay their games a couple of months because they weren't feeling like it was yep. up to the top quality, but they just planned for, I mean, they said, they always said like, we're in a lucky enough position that we can do that and not have to like have crunch. And they do have people stay there and work overtime, but usually it's of their own accord. I've yeah. never seen it where it was like a gun held her head. But you do hear about stories in yeah, absolutely in do. development, especially in America, it seems mm. to be where it's like people like bringing mattresses into work, sleeping yeah. at their desks, being told, like being kind of told like you got to work like the, uh, the weekend is, and stuff like that. As, as, you know, as Europeans, English people, British people, whatever, we, we do already have a bit of a distorted view of well off. I mean, America has a much, much, tighter work-life balance than, than we do here they work significantly longer hours than us just as a matter of principle mm. um but you're right and I, I do think it depends on the studio there, there are some you know there are plenty of things we think oh there is crunch here but they're handling it correctly we know about it we're we're trusting them not to have people sleeping on the floor not to you know 
having people absolutely burn out and be working seven days a week, you know, for 10 hours a day. Um, and those studios, we think, well, actually, these guys are probably are being pushed to do this. Um, but I don't inherently disagree with it necessarily, as long as it's done in the right way. I mean, as you said, you know, you'd hope that the majority of the time you are you underestimate and also you overestimate, so you've got that leeway. But, you know, these are also creative projects. That's not always the case, and I understand it. But as long as it doesn't become a culture of this consistently, mm. and you think every project, everything, we're always underestimating, we're always up against the clock, that's when it, I guess, becomes more of a concern, especially if you work there. I mean, to us, it makes very little difference. But, yeah. you know, if you work there and want to make, keep good talent and good people with you, then you've got to treat them well. Yeah. I'd be interested. It, I actually knew a guy that worked on The Witcher, um, and he later worked at Creative Assembly. He said it was a great work environment. Yeah. So I've, I've you know, the the conversation surrounding Crunch always seems to come from, at least from what I've read, people on the outside, exactly worried about what's going on on the inside, exactly. rather than too much about people complaining on the inside. Yeah. Like you'll at a big company, you'll always get one or two people that might be like, "Oh, we work too much. We shouldn't work this much." Blah blah. And then you'll also get people that. Uh, do like genuinely do work too much yeah. and they probably ease up a bit but they might just be very driven and Absolutely. determined so you can always it's easy when you get one or two people to come out and then talk to a journalist then you write a headline about it that can be like oh the whole studio is yeah. in trouble when really it could just be a disgruntled employee exactly. I mean if you believe <laughs> <laughs> I mean I know all about that right yeah. so <laughs> don't listen to crazy people that leave companies and say that things Absolutely. are weird because <laughs> it's, it's not always the case um, but yeah I think yeah, you company the last thing I'll say is you know journalists as you just touched on there do throw around the phrase crunch all the time and it's not although of course there are reasons why they're not there's it's not often employees who are saying anything there's journalists just firstly calling it crunch when it may be just that oh we've had to delay things let's all you know get our noses down a little bit and and, and crack on that doesn't mean we're necessarily making people do 12 hours a day and, and yeah. sleeping on the floor typically i've heard the worst things about crunch when games actually don't do well yeah when it's like anthem and things like that you oh, hear about like they're crunching really hard and then it's like but when games go well when it's like grand theft auto and rockstar you hear that they I mean, you know that they crunch because um, I think it was Dan Hauser, who's actually left Rockstar now, I think, said that they work like 80-hour weeks. He just yeah. said it in an yeah, interview yeah, passively and stuff like that. Oh, so, sorry, but you last, never hear about their crunch. Last tangent, I know we're just all doing a tangent today because <laughs> um, yeah. we've got a lot to cover. It's a conversational show. That, um, Anthem, they're completely, they're completely redoing the whole game from scratch from the ground up. Yeah. They're rebuilding it from the ground up. Yeah, we probably should have actually included something to do with that, but that was just over a week ago. I think I saw Angry Joe talking about uh, it. I might, I might, I can't remember. But, um, um, but they, this, I can't, this is, again, second-hand information, but it's some sort of quote that came out where they said, like, we're going to rework the entire loop to be fun and absolutely. something like that. And Angry Joe was saying, like, what were you doing in the first place? Then? <laughs> I know. Because well, the, the way they framed it was like they hadn't thought of this, yeah. like the way, the way they framed it anyway. Yeah. But well, yeah, I've never been interested in that game. It always well, I mean, super I, mean I got it day one. I mean, oh like a God, lot of people. I, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't pre-order it. I didn't pre-order it, to be fair. Okay. But I got it day one because it looked fantastic. And the first <laughs> two hours of it were fantastic. You're like, it's so pretty. I mean, even now, it is one of the best-looking games I've, I've ever seen on Mars. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, but then as soon as you get over that, you realise the gameplay is the least fun game you could possibly make. And... I don't want to make this a big rant about Anthem, but you honestly cannot imagine how it possibly got released in the state where you go, nothing about this is fun or enjoyable. Yeah. There is no, there's no gameplay here. There's nothing interesting. <laughs> there's a loading screen every 30 seconds to go anywhere. It takes, it takes 
the loading screens were on an SSD a minute to two minutes long. Yeah, and you'd I have them that, yeah. when you entered the level, when you transitioned between a level, when you moved back to a level, when you went onto a menu between a level. It was ludicrous. Um, <sighs> yeah, but um, but and there, then they had those DLCs and things come out, or the added updates, and yeah. was it Cataclysm? I think they called yeah, it they had, something they had a few like that. Sort of, something like that. And it just looks so bad yeah, compared to what they. I mean, I mean, all six people who still play were very disappointed oh. with those, <laughs> those updates. But, and but then yeah. they just give away the game for pretty much free. But, but yeah, but there you go. But they had a huge amount of crunch to get this released in time. And these poor developers who are probably, you know, excellent developers yeah. in, you know, in the midst of things who probably had their souls absolutely crushed yeah, no. developing and releasing a product that is universally hated. That's the thing. Yeah, it's a multifaceted argument. you got to feel for them yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, you know, also, you know, with these things, you know that most of the guys on the ground didn't think, oh, this game's brilliant, but before just before it was released, oh, no, they all yeah. knew this. We're working on an absolute car crash of a game here. Let's make the best of it we can. Yeah. Um, but hey, oh, there. Sorry, I've got a blood hey. up there. I got, I, I'm sweating <laughs> thinking about it. How annoyed it made me. Well, that's pretty much it for all our news topics. We've got one interesting listener question that was added in then as well uh, from the Randolfsky. Uh, so I, I've just put this out actually just right before the podcast. I haven't been very good at it. I'm going to get better at it doing it next time. We're asked for questions beforehand and actually present some topics to see if we can get some questions centered around what's coming up on the show as well. But we can always t- tackle anything you guys send in. It helps with the flow of the topics, yeah. you know, uh, just to add a, another conversation point, another perspective as well from what people are thinking on the things that have happened in the recent weeks. Um, but anyway, Randolfsky wrote in and said, what do you guys think of the fact that Plague Inc. had a pl- player resurgence due to a real-life epidemic that is still going on? He's, of course, talking about the coronavirus. So, I mean, it is... A pretty big, um, you know, endorsement of, of how good Plaguing is <laughs> as, as a game. Yeah, but, you like... know, if you think, say, you know, wherever you are, you think, oh my God, this could be the, I'm not saying it is, but think, oh, this could be the end of the world. <laughs> you know, the virus is here. You go, let's check, let's, let's log into Plaguing and see how this is all going to play out. <laughs> I mean, that's that means you've done some pretty cool simulation work and people respect your game quite a lot. That is funny because I, I saw it like way after the fact. I didn't even know about news stories being written about it. I just saw that Plaguing was trending. Yeah. And you can't create. The coronavirus in the game can you like you um, just have viruses that you spread no i don't think they don't didn't think like add the no well actually i mean they might have they, they, they have done that a few times with other things but where they add recent but viruses. i also think due to the fact that you know you've had a thousand people die it's probably been quite bad taste to do it at the moment but it sure. wouldn't surprise me if in six months time there was a coronavirus in in plague inc yeah well, I, I haven't played the game since way back in the day. And one of my first jobs when I was a programmer for a small company, I had it on my phone. I used to play it every morning on the way up. Yeah. It's a great game, but the game does just basically play itself. Oh, it does. <laughs> but I think that's why it's so popular because it is, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a rubbishy iOS clicker in a very nice package that yeah. gives you a lot of information. I think they made it a bit more involved for Steam, but I'm not too sure to the extent. So I've heard they have too, but I haven't touched it because yeah. I've got it on mobile. I've got it on iOS and I've, I have, I do play it from time to time, but it is a much more of a brainless, you know, let's just try and kill Greenland ASAP. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know any more to that question. Like, what do you guys think of the fact that that's happened? It is just really bizarre. I mean, it's funny in a way. Like, I wonder, like, has have hospital games also had any kind of increase, or is it just literally everyone's playing theme hospital? Yeah, (laughs) things out. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Or is it just the fact that you know you're spreading? You're you're the one spreading. I mean, you had that. Yeah, I mean, you don't read the news at all. So you had that (laughs) hospital. That hospital in China that. They built a whole like ten thousand person hospital in like ten days, whatever it was. I did and, see that. I mean, you know, there's been some planning games behind that. You know, someone's played Team Hospital. Someone's yeah. been playing something. But that, that's some skinny city skyline stuff there. Really quick. That's, <laughs> that's some strong logistics. That'd be a great mod for City Skylines if you could uh, spread an infection within the city. Oh, is, that not, is that not a thing already? I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. There is a disasters expansion. Where... I've got, I've got that, but I don't think it is a. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It'd just be cool. Yeah, it's interesting. 
Um, all right, so thanks for the question. So the next thing I thought we'd, we were gonna do noteworthy releases, but uh, I couldn't be bothered looking yeah. it up properly. Nope. So I didn't really see anything that was noteworthy. I was trying to think in my head as well. I don't think there's anything major. There was that Wolson, I can't remember even the full name of the game, but it's like a Path of Exile type game. I don't know what you call those. What, what um, I don't know what you do call them. Top down, uh, top, um, hack and, I, I don't know. Online RPG kind I, of thing? I don't know what you call it, yeah. God. Wow, I feel like Actually, I'll be, I, don't, I don't know. I've got no idea. <laughs> well, anyway, Path of Exile-esque type games. Those Diablo-esque, you'd say, I mean. Yeah, because it, like you're looting. What are they called? They have a name. Yeah, but they do have a name. <laughs> I agree with you, but I don't know what it is. I'm thinking they're called like hack and slash action RPGs or something like that. Okay, let's but go I, But that. I'm not sure. Well, anyway, that game came out and it has like insane amount of popularity on Steam. It just blew up. But then the servers completely like crashed down and died. And you can still play it offline, sort of. You don't have full access to the game, apparently. Um, so I, I don't really know much more than that, other than it was trending on uh, on Reddit and on it was on a few news stories written about it on PC Gamer. This game is just like exploded into popularity, yeah. but it's currently sitting at mix because so many people just can't get into it. Um, but apparently as well that like when you hit the midpoint, then it gets really repetitive and it's yeah. starting to turn people off it as well. But um, yeah, I was gonna say that we should probably cover in this section. We should actually look at for the future. Um, New games that have been released across some of the major game pass game game passes as well. Definitely. So, I mean, yeah. someone like myself, I rarely these days anyway. Not I used to all the time, but these days I rarely buy a new game straight off Steam or something like that because mm -hmm. I know give it you know give it a month it's going to be on it's going to be one of the passes in some description and yep. you know most of the games I play I play so many Xbox Game Pass games at the moment because they all go out so yeah. it is good to know. I think it's definitely good to let people know what anything interesting has come out in yeah. the last week or so on that. I'm definitely going to get better at it, um, just writing down when, when things come out. It's just because we had such a massive gap between Absolutely, episodes, and I didn't even really know if we, this was going to happen today because of the storms and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of messed up on that. But um, we do have one release that I'd like you to read. Oh, great. I can, I can guess what this one is going to be. One of your favorites. Let's have a look at the title here. Okay, so, oh, it's a good title. So we've got Tentacle Girl. Oh, God, why are we doing this? Um, so... So we, here's need, the we need a name for this segment. Here's the official Steam description. Tentacle Girl is a jigsaw puzzle. Each picture is a no longer relevant, but connect... <laughs> this is Why? The... Who writes these? I don't know. I mean, God, They're Google Translate written. is terrible at like, Japanese into English. Each picture is a, no longer re is a no longer irrelevant, but connected into a story. <laughs> There's a name here. I don't know how to pronounce it. A-O-I. Oi? A-O-I? A-O-I and Sally. <laughs> That's two people. A treasure hunter. <laughs> That's one. That's oh, God, singular. This is horrible. <laughs> Found a cave during the expedition. They foresee a treasure in it. So I so I decided to go in and take a look. Unexpectedly, this is a tentacle cave. I mean, I mean, what that is it. Have I just read? I mean, what? I don't. Even, this segment needs to really <laughs> needs to really be improved. But this is terrible. Um, <laughs> that was just so bad. That was awful. But yeah, they just—I just find it funny because it's so badly written as I mean, well. I mean, obviously it's translated, but then it changes perspective. It's like this yeah. game is a jigsaw puzzle. Then later it's like, oh, I decided to go in, and then Who? it names two people, and then to cause them one thing. It's, it's a car crash from start to finish, and it makes yeah. me a bit a sick. Ao and Sally, a, a treasure hunter, and then later it says they foresee a treasure in it. So I decided. Yeah. Who, who are you? <laughs> yeah, who are you? <laughs> who is talking? Um, I mean, what I, is a tentacle cave? I do think there's a good segment there about <laughs> terrible games slash like badly dubbed Japanese, Japanese game well, releases. I must confess, there's a podcast I listen to where they go through every... Uh, it's Sacred Symbols, PlayStation podcast oh, yeah, yeah, by Colin Moriarty. And I've actually been on his podcast before, which is awesome. Yeah, fire that, that, mm -hmm. that is his Twitter handle and his man mantra, basically. <laughs> mantra, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, on his PlayStation podcast, which is something I've I've tried to kind of partially emulate this podcast off, which is a great podcast. Uh, he goes through every single release of PlayStation games that week. But now, since they've opened up their platform to like having anything, yeah. they often get like really bad write-ups. So it's kind of devolved into them reading really bad write-ups. Huh. Um, now I did, I don't know why, but it, the reason I wanted to actually just read the best the best games that came out in the last week, the new and trending. But the new and trending on Steam yeah. is literally just sex games yeah. well i mean if you know if you give a pc gaming platform to a lot of really you know angsty 14 year old horny boys mm. and then you call a game tentacle girl or tentacle was it tentacle girl yes. yeah tentacle girl we all know what's going to happen there and this game released on valentine's day of course it did so of course it a, did. Lot of lonely, a lot of lonely boys <laughs> a lot of lonely boys lonely, lonely hearts out there <laughs> they hearts. know their market um anyways so yeah we're just going to wrap up by what we've been playing i haven't been actually playing too much different than before tend to always play the same things anyway <laughs> but uh, i've been playing factorio i don't want to go on too long about it you know the game most people know the game so good. amazing game there's many i've done a video on it actually basically went mini viral for me which is great but lots of people have done videos on it trying to explain like the why the core loop is just so satisfying mm -hmm. and so engaging and it's just one of those games i've actually got two or three people just this week to buy it on my discord because i streamed it locally to my discord and a few people were watching and uh it's just, it's, you, I'd never look at it and think that I want to build no, me too. a production line or a factory or anything like that. But it's it's very hard to explain. But honestly, if you for somehow and you've stumbled across this podcast and don't know or haven't looked into the game, just I highly, highly recommend yeah. it or check out my video about it. I mean, it. I, I don't think I've spoken to anyone I know who plays games, who, who's played Factorio, uh, Factor from all different backgrounds, who hasn't loved it. I mean, people who only like shooters, people yep. who only like whatever. I mean, as I said, on in um, you know, if you look at it on paper, it sounds awful. Let me hit rocks for a while until I have enough to build a miner. I build a miner, and, and, and it's you know, and essentially automating their factory. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's just something about it that sucks you in, and an hour becomes ten hours, and then you, before you realize it, you know, you're, you're struggling over your water pressure. You're trying to you're trying to get some more pumps up, and it's just a problem. And you know, yeah. And um, and yeah, I think there's just there's just, there's just something about it where there's always something. There's always a crisis that's about to happen that you need to solve. Yeah, that you need to jump on. Well, that's the thing. Away. It's just a perfectly balanced game of, in terms of you've always got something to do. You've always yeah. got something on your mind. You're always thinking of the next step, the next yeah. technology, and then there's always the natives that are like harassing you, and you're yeah. trying to get to new areas. And for me, I remember the very first time I played it, I got pretty far into it, but I actually, I actually basically lost. I mean, I didn't lose. You can always just kind of keep going. Yeah. But I, I you just start from scratch again. But I was never going to do that. No, it's too far. No, no way. <laughs> But um, what happened was, you know, you run out of their, their finite resources yeah. and I ran out of coal and I ran out of copper around me. My machines powered down. Then I didn't have enough to get to the distance I needed yeah, to to yeah. get to the next area with trains and stuff. See, and I, was, I couldn't believe it. That's exactly the sort of thing you, that would happen. I think that's probably what happened to me the first time I played it. But mm -hmm. then you second time, you know, if there's ever a down moment, you're instantly trying to get to that next patch of coal and bring yeah. it into your network, your next exactly. patch of iron. There's always something to do urgently, more or less. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but basically I've just been playing that. I've never actually finished it. I'm like a hundred hours into the game. Yeah, now. I mean most people haven't finished <laughs> um, it. <laughs> but yeah, just just fantastic game. And we've both been playing Satisfactory, which yeah. is we just played that just today for an yeah, hour. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, beforehand, because they just had that itch, and they've just come out with that new update, uh, update three, where they've added fluid dynamics and uh, hollow tubes and things. Did you, mm -hmm. did you notice that you can actually fly along the tubes? Yeah, so I did. That's that. I've really literally cool. just um, I've just done that milestone to get the hollow tubes. I haven't actually put any down yet, but I've just done the milestone to. In Satisfactory. Yeah, yeah. You no, 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 they just added that. No, no, no. I know, I know. But remember what I played today? Oh, you and, played today? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, I, played, yeah, I, I played today, and um, that was one of the masters. It was back. It was, it was a tier or so back, oh, wow. but it was um, it was just unlocked. I hadn't been unlocked, so I've quickly unlocked it, but oh. I haven't actually put them down or built them or anything like that. Wow, that was um, quick. 
But, um, but yeah, I logged in and uh, now they've added fluid. So every building I had required water and nothing worked. And I was really furious. So it took me <laughs> like 45 minutes of hand bashing. There's a new like copper piping thing that I had to, you know, hand make for like 45 minutes to, to build. Oh, that's why. Yeah. So um, you you had your own save. That's how you're able to get it. Yeah, you I had went my, back. exactly. That's I had what my own you're save, yeah. Gotcha. Because I was thinking like, how did you do all that in an hour? <laughs> because I left Speed Toby. And the game, then, yeah. yeah, I left Toby in Satisfactory and then like an hour and a half I was here. So it's yeah. like, holy <laughs> shit. Um, um, but yeah, no, that game is just, I mean, oh. I, it's on the Epic Store, but it's actually now got announced for Steam. So anyone that doesn't like Epic, it's going to be over there I mean, soon. I mean, it's 3D Factorio, but it is, yeah. it's not as good as Factorio. No. It isn't, I mean, because it almost can't be. There's too many. Factorio in, I think, in 3D would be too overwhelming. Well, be... Factorio is an infinite world. For one, a satisfactory doesn't. It's yeah. a pre-made map, even though it's huge. And then it also I, the thing I love about Factorio is the enemies. I just think that's a really fun is, extra yeah, challenge yeah, to have. Is, that they're yeah. always it's almost like a mini tower defense at the, yeah. as well as the production game. Whereas in Satisfactory, it's just like a few creatures that yeah, run around. That you don't have like waves and hordes and have to clear out infested areas no. and stuff like that. Um, and it's a much brighter and happier world. But it is interesting. You know, the the trade off would be building in Factorio is, in my opinion, more satisfying. Yeah. I think so. But just the scope of things you can do in Factorio is way better because there's just so much more you can do. There's way more tiers to everything. Absolutely. The scale and the trains and all the vastness of well, yeah. the distances. I mean, I mean, so it's cool. always cool to see things in 3D and satisfactory when you go up oh, when you you know when you when you build a new uh, a new thing. I mean, for, for I'm assuming a lot of you probably haven't played it, but at some point, uh, relatively early in the game, you build a sky um, a space hook, I think it's called, or a sky hook. Where space elevator. Space elevator, sorry, which is this giant. I mean, as a huge, it takes up a massive amount of space. And it literally, you watch an awesome animation where it grabs a satellite, essentially yeah. a link from a satellite out of space and the whole ground shakes and it's yeah. awesome. Um, you know, you can see all these things in 3D that, that in Factorio, they're like a like a, like a a 24-bit sprite that you, know, yeah. <laughs> you can't it's, see any it's detail. It's like a, a AAA take on it, even, yes. though, even though it is an indie company themselves, but the art quality and assets and the UI and the production quality of everything is just so high. Yeah. Um, because yeah, even like all the the way I mean everything in Factorio is is a pretty high quality. For oh, it is. Yeah. Two D sprites like oh, they all have animations and stuff. But the animations of like machines in three D and pumping out stuff is just so much more. Well done. Yeah, it's just really well done. Yeah. And now they've added trains and fluid dynamics. So mm -hmm. trains was like about six months ago actually. Yeah. So I mean, and, I mean, it's still it's still very early stages. It's still not fleshed out. It, yeah. It only really stretches to like the mid game of a game, you know, of, of the end term of the game. But That's true. what there is is a great platform to develop, and I put it. I think I still it, recommend it though. Oh yeah, me too. I, I've, 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 if yeah, obviously I bought it and I got my money's worth five times over. It's, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. And you know, buy it now while it's still relatively cheap. Give it, and in the next six months, twelve months, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal when it's you know, yeah. when things have overhauled and finished. I'll be interested to see what they do next. Actually, so the the it's worth mentioning that the uh, water dynamics, fluid dynamics update three, that's all on the experimental branch. So they got an experimental yeah. branch of an early access game. So, but they're. Their updates are really high quality. They, they said themselves that uh, it's Coffee Stain Studios that make it, that they want to be kind of like a No Man's Sky in terms of how they put out updates, like a really big milestone update with tons of features. Start off absolutely terrible. They start off hated by the whole community. Well, the car crash. They talked about the updates. Then five years later, I've become a really good game. <laughs> Not the release. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, they literally said it in their stream. They were like, we've designed a website that's just going to show off everything with GIFs and videos. Yeah. And it's just like a big major milestone update. Um, that Perfect. they're going to put out every few months so not like small incremental things so what you're getting is really polished and i guess they wanted to put it to experimental first just to further test it before they deploy it to main yeah um, and it seems like when it gets deployed to main they're going to be putting the game on steam then it has a steam page now so you can check it out as well yeah. well I've got, um and from, from my perspective the two things i've been doing this week so firstly i've 
you know, as I'm sure you guys will all absolutely love, I've sort of fallen into Stellaris for the first time properly. Um, you know, I've touched on it before. I've played it for a couple of hours here, a couple of hours there, you know, a bit of this. But, you know, I mean, Darren gave me like an introduction to it on, on multiplayer 18 months or so ago, just so I knew the absolute basics. But still, as I'm sure you got, you guys all, all know and can imagine, it's very, very convoluted and difficult to get into when you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but then over the last few, you know, over the last week and the last few days, I just really sat down for some proper sessions and sort of everything finally sort of clicked and, you know, understood. Obviously, you know, I'm not saying I'm the expert. I still don't know a lot of things about it. But in terms of the core mechanics and the core gameplay, etc., everything sort of clicked. I know what I'm doing now. And I can really see myself yeah, losing quite a, quite a lot more hours into it over the next over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, to me, it's, I mean, I won't gush about it, but... It, it's actually with its updates it's it's kind of faded from how much i used to love it i used to really prefer it beforehand still do really like it but it's just one of those games where you have so many different play styles a lot of people i know say they only play like one way they'll play like as a uh, it's always a fanatic purifier that's going to pu- you know kill everything they can and they don't diplomacy with anybody and they don't do anything like that and that is fun yeah don't get me wrong <laughs> i've done it <laughs> uh, it was one of the first things i did but uh, it is really fun when you challenge yourself to play differently and try like, oh, what's the, what's it like to be a pacifist? What's it like to be a uh, xenophile? What's it like to be a materialist that focuses on science or whatever the case might be? Then there's the DLCs, like I was explaining to Toby before, you know, Megacorp, oh, I'll see what it's like just to focus on trade. And it is, you get, it's something that I initially thought I'd never want, enjoy doing that, right? I always enjoyed playing just the way I'd, one or two yeah. different ways but it actually makes you think differently and you really get to explore different mechanics and it's really fun and rewarding when you do build up that way yeah i mean honestly that's what i'm looking for all of the i've only done one playthrough is the most you know vanilla humans with an absolutely incompetent earth man me as the leader just making <laughs> arbitrary decisions based on no information at any at any point yeah um so yeah i do want to do something i do want to do a bit more of a you know an involved like a bit of an RP playthrough is like some sort of, you know, role yeah. Well, this is the race. thing, actually. So, Federations is coming out, yeah. I'm assuming in March at this point. Don't um, have you done a great video about Federations? I have done a great video about Federations. Thank you very much. Uh, and yeah, it's doing quite well. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I basically recapped all the features in it. There's like uh, six major like overhauls that can be bundled into one overhaul. So, diplomacy focus, obviously, I don't know what is in the DLC and what is just part of the update. That kind of remains to be seen. But generally, you can then, the federations that are in the game are basically the alliances, and now they're, they come in five different types, and you can do all these different things with all of them, and interact in different ways, vote people out, vote people in, you can actually have one that's basically like, they can't even leave, uh, you can like force them in and stuff by going to war with them, so it's very subjugative stance, and things like that, now there's like a galactic UN council kind of thing, protecting people. What? What are you looking at? No, nothing. I want to know. No, continue. Okay. <laughs> he picked up the iPad and looked at it. No, because I was just saying, you've been saying I've been playing War Metal War, and I absolutely oh, no, have yeah, not. No, that's, <laughs> that's there from before. Um, uh, but yeah, anyway, long story short, uh, so the, that, that Federations pack is going to be coming out next month, and I plan on doing a playthrough. And one cool thing you can do in Stellaris is actually, I like to roleplay, and mm-hmm. uh, I like to create, and not just in video games, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> But one thing you can do is you can actually uh, write the backstories and create empires that populate your galaxy. So yeah, you can make cool. 10 empires yeah. and toggle them on to make sure that they pop so you can, in. You can do that now? Is that with the update? No, you can do that now. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I haven't touched any of that. So that's what I love to do. So then, And I might play with one or two mods that add a few extra like kind of quirks to the empires or whatever it might be. But um, that's what I plan to do. I plan on doing like a new Let's Play where because I have a Let's Play channel as well for people who don't know where I do Let's Plays of Imperator Rome. I did one with Frostpunk and I'll probably do one with Stellaris Federations when it comes out because it's one of my favorite games. 
And it was actually the very first Let's Play I ever did back in the day when it came out. It was super popular at the time. I played as Space Romans. Awesome. Of I mean, that's cool. Alternate history, Romans never... Rome... What, what were your sort of traits and leaderships? Uh, so yeah, things? Rome never fell and we had, we had slaves because it seemed to make sense. We were spiritualists, so we yeah. still, you know, uh, and, and traditional, I think. So yeah. they have strong traditions. Uh, they're militarist. Yeah. So yeah, militarist, spiritualist, those are the two main ethics that they had. Uh, they were imperial, so it was an empire. Um, they had Roman names, which wasn't in the game back in the day, but they've added that to the game cool. now. So you can just you can just click to do that. But I just edited the files to do that. Um, and that was, was, was there any like specific way you typed like played to make it Romanesque? Or? Well, it was a let's play. So what I did at the time was I actually uploaded every single day. I can't imagine actually doing that now. Wow. That'd be crazy. And that was while I had a job. <laughs> 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 so who knows what the fuck's <laughs> happened now? I wonder why but, you were sacked. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, no. He wasn't sacked. No, I wasn't sacked. Um, or was I? My view's not Imagine if that came out that I was and I'd lied. That'd be pretty crazy. They could just say that. Yeah, they could. And and I, you, I would what, have what could you do about it? Yeah, yeah I don't what know. Could you do about it? I don't have to nothing. worry about that. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, long story short, it was a Let's Play every single day. I did like 15 days of it. And uh, I actually asked people every day to vote on what we were going to do. Okay. And I displayed the vote on screen as a little Senate. So those, are my, those guys cool. are my Senate. And then that's actually where the idea for Republic of Play came from. I call my yeah. patrons and Twitch, subscri Twitch subscriber senators, uh, mostly because of back in the day, it worked so well back then. And people really got into it and they were voting on what we should do. So one of the big votes at first was, do we abolish slavery? We've had this for yeah. a while and people were writing in the comments like, <laughs> totally role-playing like i maximus whatever and it's like fart dropper 24 <laughs> yeah, is his actual yeah. name or yeah. whatever and uh they were saying like you know the reasons that they think that they should abandon it or take on slaves or whatever and it was really cool it was really That's great awesome. and that was super added like to the immersion well. obviously but yeah, so basically you asked how did I do determine my place? So it was based off of what they said. I oh, should that's, that's cool. Um, like yeah, that. so that was that was really fun. But yeah, in the end, uh, I think we had slavery pretty pretty far in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did eventually get rid of it and integrate certain peoples. And then we kind of talked about like what it's like to grant them citizenship because there is actually, you can set like yeah. the living standards of people. So we were like, we'll keep them low down <laughs> yeah, so keep them and then eventually we'll bring them up and grant this sector living uh, citizenship, <laughs> so cool, you know? So, yeah. And we named all the planets after... Yeah you know, Aretium or Arminum or, yeah, and yeah. all this sort of stuff. And then we had like the Gaul sector and oh, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, it's great. So um, I'm probably going to do that again because cool. <laughs> I just love it. And then add in a bunch of my own flavor empires because I've run multiplayer games, as people may have known or may know that um, we have kind of weird and quirky empires, some that like only live around black holes, some that start in civil wars with each other and just all these weird kind of encounters that you can have. And I wrote backstories for them and people really enjoyed them. Actually, people still played them now and there's a mod on Steam with it. Where you can actually play as them. Cool. Uh, so yeah, that's probably yeah. what I'm I mean. That's well, as soon as you're gone to us, I'm going to start a new, completely new thing, and you know, do something completely different and uh, enjoy it there. Um, I think playing the spiritualist is really fun because those like military zealots, you know, just like oh, yeah, purging cool. the heretics kind of thing. There's cool. just so many interesting little ways to yeah, play. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I hardly even touch on those things yet. So I need to get involved. Um, yes, yeah, so the only other thing really I've been doing this week, which although I haven't necessarily been playing, some of you may or may not be watching. It's the um, Rainbow Six Siege. Invitational, it's basically like the World Cup, it's the grand. That's real Excuse mature. Me. That's so mature. It's like the grand final. It's the, um, Sounds great. Yeah, it's like the uh, like the World Cup of Rainbow Six Siege. I have to say, which I don't care what Darren said. Are you trying to tell my mic off now? Um, I don't care what he says. That is, it is the best competitive esport I think to watch going out there. The, yeah. I've actually got nothing against it. I, just, I don't know yeah, why I did. No, that. I know you. I know you. I know you actually don't. I'm not offended whatsoever. But, um, but yeah, it's brilliant. It's the grand final tonight. I can't wait to look forward so to that. So who's the two big teams? 
Um, I actually don't know who the, the the other the two teams who are going to be in the grand final are decided today because there's a lower okay. the lower bracket and upper bracket. So it's. Um, oh, by the time this goes out, they might know who won. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, oh, they will know who won if anyone's interested because it comes. It's, it's ten o'clock GMT tonight. The the, term, right. the grand final is. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been watching that for the last for the last week. It's awesome. Really well presented. It's got like a three million dollar prize pool. Um, you know, it's big time, man. Yeah. Who's, who who funds that? Is it Ubisoft? So it's, so it's it was um, like it's like I think like two million was Ubisoft, and then for the third, the last million for the last month, they re- they had a um, they for the first time ever released a battle pass like oh, right. Oh yeah, and a premium battle pass. That. You had a premium and a, and a, and a free to play. Um, so I keep saying battle pass really weirdly. <laughs> um, battle, battle pass. pass. <laughs> um, yeah, like every like every other game has a battle pass. Um, and if you pay, you know, for for fifteen quid or whatever, it's a lot. I'm not the God. You're about to say something. No, no, no. Oh, okay, I'm not the I'm not the uh, the premium tiers. Um, they said that 35 percent of the income from the from the process of the battle pass went onto on on top of the prize pool, and it ended up to be about three million dollars. Sweet, nice. But, um, but yeah, but, but um, yeah, that's cool. So I've been watching that, and but yeah, that's about it really. Other than that, I'm just yeah, you know, dropping into a few things. A few things I want to still go and play. I've just you know just downloaded um. Final Fantasy 15, uh, the, oh, yeah. that's just come on the game store. I want to check that out because I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I've had like 20 minutes in, I've just got through this like tutorial area. and. Yeah, is there anything you're looking forward to in, in the immediate future? Um, yeah, I mean, God, there's a few things coming out. So Resident Evil 3 is coming out. I'll say oh, yeah. this before we started, Resident Evil 3 is coming out soon. Um, that's I'm March, sure. isn't it? I'll tell you what's yeah, coming March. out in March. Did you ever play Mountain Blade? Uh, yeah, Warband? Bandlord's coming out. Bandlord 2 is coming out in late uh, March. Darren, I, I can't believe I didn't even talk about it. But I know, no, yeah. We've Mountain Blade that. is probably my favourite series should save it. of we all time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do a whole, we'll do a whole conversation we, about Mountain Blade. I will on. get sucked into it. Yeah. It's mods, everything. I spent <laughs> I so many hours of Mountain Blade. Um, I yeah. suck at the game. But... Oh, God. I mean, so, so are most people. I've been, <laughs> um, I've been so bad at it. I mean, yeah. I'm actually good at battles. It's just the campaign. I always just. Oh, no, no, no. But, but that's the point. The campaign is ludicrously difficult unless you do things quite specifically. You could spend. On like one of my campaigns, I've been like a hundred hours in. I think I'm currently in prison, and I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, but this is the thing: you lose like one battle sometimes, and you're just like re- relegated dude, back to be, nothing. You've got to be careful. But behind all, obviously, not to go into yeah, we'll detail. But um, you know, behind all the scenes of all that stuff, you're also you, you know, even if you're losing, etc., you're gaining renown and 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 relations with other people, which let you do loads of other things. Mm. Um, yeah, that's but that's coming out. We'll do a whole conversation about that. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil Three is coming out, and said I think probably most of you have. Or based on their sales, I think probably a lot of you played Resident Evil Two, the the, the remake, which was mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. It was seventy five percent or sixty percent off not too long ago. On Steam. Yeah, that's, that's only yeah. a year old. It's brilliant. I think you know, if even if it's not your cup of tea to play, it's actually a really good game to watch a let's play of as well. That, yeah. that type of game, I'd highly recommend having watched that. Um, so three is coming out there. We've got The Last of Us coming out. You know, in a matter of months now, or April, I think. Mm-hmm. Last of Us Two, in May, April? I think. Oh, May, okay. I could be wrong. May. Um, yeah, well, we can leave it there because we'll, we'll be doing our next episode in a couple yeah. of weeks anyway, so we don't have to go too far into no. the future. But uh, speaking of um, Mountain Blade, just before we wrap yeah, up, is do. that uh, a lot of YouTubers actually have access to it. I've been meaning to just yeah, ask. I'm sure, I'm sure I'd be able to get it because um, I actually played it at E3 like a They've few got, years ago. It's, it's an open beta now. You can just get it. Oh, right. Yes, you can do, <laughs> you just sign up you get it now. Are you sure? It's yeah, not closed? No, it's, it's open now, definitely. You can just sign up and have it. Or you not well, have you must it, have had to in, pre-order though or something. Um, I don't know what the thing is, but I know that it's it got to be something. Maybe, maybe it is a pre-order. Maybe yeah. it's based on. But I know there is an open beta now where everyone's in. Basically. Yeah, so I really want to try it. So the thing is, the thing I don't know is actually I have to look this up, and this why we'll be a bit more informed next month is or next week, depending on. <laughs> it's fairly on what happens. Um, is 
is the campaign going to because it's coming into early access yeah. which is a bit disappointing for some people because it's been so long since the previous game yeah but uh yeah i hope that it releases with a campaign some people yeah, are saying that know. it might be just battle only which yes yeah, I, I get the impression it is just battle only, and i don't know i'm not basing that's that all on anything solid really but, but yeah but that's all i'm seeing lately anyway um but but then again, there is a huge segment of the community that only ever cared about multiplayer battles, and that's all they ever did. I mean, I preferred single player. I played both, but yeah. single player is more my thing. Well, to me, it's just like a total war game. It's like battles exactly. are great, but yeah. I want the context exactly. of the exactly. campaign. Um, but anyway, we'll leave it there. But yeah, that's well, what I'll be. In. All right, so we'll leave it there. <laughs> 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 all right, we'll leave it there. So that was a pretty good conversation. We had some good, good good calls there, good chats. Uh, so yeah, so we should be back hopefully in two weeks, weather permitted apparently, and sickness yeah, two permitted. Weeks is the plan. But uh, yeah, so we'll be able to... So basically, if you've got any questions, comments, concerns, topics, or anything like that that you want us to cover, just write it in the comments of the YouTube video. Hopefully going to make the yeah. YouTube video a bit more interesting as well instead of just a static image. Yeah, it um, would be great to hear from you guys. So I said, otherwise, it's just me and Darren like you know talking to each other, which is, which is lovely, but yeah. it's great to get some other people. And it's great. We got some like, decent comments yeah, in. But... I like it to be uh, topical. So I only chose two out of the four that we got. Um, so if we can be topical, what that's great. The what were the other two? You didn't show me. The other t- no, I didn't. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're just more... like broad questions, like what do you about micro? Like what do you think about microtransactions, yeah, stuff like that? So it's like, it's <laughs> <laughs> completely ridiculous. Uh, yes, um, but no, no, they're just if it's topics that's like something that's happened in the week, and if, if you have the time or inclination to mm-hmm. think of us, then uh, write it in my Discord or on the uh, on the comments awesome. in the video and stuff like that when you're listening. All right, so that's gonna be it. Thank you very much for joining nice me, Toby. One. Thank you. All my right, pleasure. We'll see you guys in the next one. See you later. Bye. Bye.